0: Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is Episode 139 of Yoga Land. Hello,
1: Jason. 139, huh? Yes. That's a lot. I know. It's a lot of talking to me and others. It is. About yeah, we're, yoga. we're
0: closing in on 200. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess not quite. Not but... really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at math.
1: You, but you are closing in on 140.
0: I may not be good at math, but I'm good at maths. Maths. For all my British listeners out there. Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So you've got me back.
0: Yes. Welcome back. This is I think our last episode of our Beginners and Begin Again series. It is. And honestly, it's the one unless I'm... we do like
1: a Q&A one.
0: Okay. Well, we'll I'll put it up on the on the internet okay. and we'll see if people want to.
1: Okay.
0: I am the most excited for this episode. The most? I am. Okay. Because I'm really curious about what you're going to say and Also, it's a question we have gotten repeatedly over the years that we have yet to address for people. So I'm happy to address it. And the question is, how the heck do I teach beginners in the midst of mixed level classes?
1: Retire. (laughs) Okay. It's so hard. It's so hard. So what I want to do is I want to go over a couple of principles and then several different settings, right? Like- principles with how to best work with beginners in mixed level classes, but then specific scenarios of what are the things that you're definitely going to have to deal with? Like, what are the things you're most likely going to have to troubleshoot? Right. Whether it's the flow or whether it's any number of things, right? We'll, we'll go over the, the things from my experience and my trainings. I'm working with all the time. Okay. Yeah. Great. So I think the first thing I want to go over is just the general principle, which is you are going to do your best in a mixed level class. When beginners come, you are going to do your best to help people who are brand new. But the first thing that I want to say is it's not possible. It's just as a yoga teacher, it's just not possible to ensure Everyone, in, especially new students, has their needs met.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So, I, I mean, I'm, I, we're not going to stop there. It's a short conversation today. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what,
2: what? Short conversation.
1: <laughs> um, you know, I think generally speaking, yoga teachers want to be able to help people. Of course. Right. Right. And we want to be liked and we want to be effective. And we want to be able to satisfy our students.
0: And you know that a new student is an important thing. Like, you know that it's hard to be new. You know that you want to make them comfortable. You know that you want them to come back. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's really frustrating because beginners will learn and can learn in a mixed level setting, but it's not optimal And so I I this, I mean, again, I don't have a whole lot of things for this first point other than I just want, I want all the teachers out there to relax a little bit about it and let them know that they can't meet every beginner's need in every class. You can't meet everyone's needs, not in every class. And learning takes a long period of time.
0: So as that teacher, right, I think this is very good advice and important advice. it's, It's about sort of letting go of perhaps an obsessive feeling that you're failing if you're not meeting every single person's need. But how do you personally deal with that? Like, do you just sort of say, I'm just gonna teach the best well-rounded class I can?
1: Well, we'll go into a lot of the, a lot of the particulars. Okay. But to be totally honest, the way that I deal with it is I know I'm really good at teaching and then it takes me a while to teach someone something.
2: Mm, okay, Right?
1: And I know that I'm also pretty good at learning, but it takes me a while to learn something. So I give this example all the time. I've probably given it this in in this series before, which is imagine that you said math earlier or maths, Mm -hmm. right? Imagine we were teaching math class and it was an experience level math class and someone came in that didn't understand basic arithmetic. How do you deal with that person? Well, the way you deal with that person is by being encouraging, by being welcoming and not selling them the false promise that they know what everyone else else in the room knows. You let them know, oh, okay, you're new to this. This is an experience level class or a mixed level class. So I just want you to know you're gonna be a little lost. You're gonna be a little confused and that's okay. That's actually the number one thing, right? So it's less about making sure that they get their needs met. And it's more about making sure that you help them with, understanding the the rational amount of expectations that they can have for their understanding, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And I'll tell people all the time, I'll say, look, just so you know, you are going to be confused. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like that's an inescapable part of learning. So don't worry. And no one's looking at you. No one's watching you. No one is thinking, you know, you're some fool because you don't know how to do down dog. You know, no one's even, no one's paying attention. No one's thinking about that. So try to take that pressure off yourself, right? Yeah. So yeah, so that that first thing is just to kind of let people know that as teachers, we're going to want to meet everyone's needs, but you can't meet everyone's needs. So relax and help instead be welcoming and let the new student know that it's okay that they're going to not know. Yeah. And that the only way that they are going to know is by continuing to come back to class and that learning is a process and that's it, right? The second thing that comes up, that I think that's a little bit more more important, actually, is safety. The next sort of significant thing that comes up is the challenge of keeping beginners safe mm-hmm. in mixed level classes, right? Right. That's a little bit more important than just meeting people's expectations is is making sure that they actually have safe parameters. We're gonna go through several of the different instances that this is gonna come up, but I think one of the things to let them know right away is that yoga can be difficult, yoga can be frustrating, yoga can be uncomfortable, yoga can be confusing, but yoga shouldn't hurt. So to let a student know who is a new student in an experience level class, let them know Hey, you might be a little lost. You might be a little awkward. That's okay. But if something hurts, that thing is not something that you should be pushing through. I want you to stop and help that new student know that in the yoga world, it's a totally normal thing to just stop and not participate in like a particular activity for a brief period of time and then jump back in Mm -hmm. when you've moved on from that thing. I also encourage students in this scenario, if they do feel specific pain, like I know as a yoga teacher that I can't in a group setting deal with many individual pains, but I can before class, I can after class. So I'm always wanting to tell everyone, but especially beginners, look, if something hurts, stop. But when class is over, don't leave before you tell me, hey, you know, we were doing that one pose and it felt really weird in my knee i want I will help you with that, right? So it's one of the great ways that we can grow is to observe a pain, stop, and then seek the teacher out afterwards and see if they can troubleshoot it for you, right? Yeah, I think sense. another thing that is is really kind of straightforward, and again, we're going to get to a bunch of different examples about you know what are the scenarios in which we have to meet the help people with expectations and keep people safe. But another scenario that comes up pretty frequently just in general is we don't want our new students, I don't want my new students to be doing headstand and shoulder stand. Right. You know, and the thing is is like I actually don't teach headstand and shoulder stand in public classes. I haven't for a very long time, but I think that it's okay for some people to be teaching those, right? I'm not I know what decisions I make as a teacher, but I'm not saying that, you know, you can those are you never ever do it. Yeah. Yeah. But I would not allow under any condition a new student to do shoulder stand, even if it seemed like that person wanted to do it. I'd mm-hmm. be like, look, you might be able to do shoulder stand fine. You can't do shoulder stand without m- learning a few other things first.
0: So do you just give them an alternative? Yes. Like come over here and yeah, let's yeah, yeah, yeah. have you put your yeah, legs there's up any, the wall. Exactly. Yeah. You
1: can do legs up the wall. You can do supported bridge pose. Mm-hmm. You can do cross-legged forward bend with the head supporter. You mm-hmm. can do any number of things and i actually think it's important for teachers to teach responsibility you know it's it's interesting you know i i when i grew up as a kid in the 80s like every kid in the 80s every like suburban kid in the 80s did taekwondo like everyone did it right it's just like it was a, f- a feature of the 1980s right <laughs> and there was kind of this I'm idea And had a mullet. Oh, dude, I had a mullet.
0: Yeah, I know you rocked a mullet.
1: For a long time. Big time.
0: time. Oh my God, I'm so glad I didn't know you then.
1: I mean, that was standard. Oh, no, come on. That was standard hair. That was standard hair. It was. It was standard hair. Yeah, it was icky icky boy hair. It was not icky boy hair.
0: (laughs) Okay, fine.
1: Okay, come on.
0: (laughs) I don't know. I'm sure you probably wouldn't have liked my disco belt. I don't know. It's a disco fever on it.
1: That'd be pretty cool. (laughs) But okay. My
0: leg warmers, maybe.
1: But don't take me off topic. I'm really jet lagged. (laughs) My brain isn't really working very well. Taekwondo. Taekwondo, right? And there's this whole idea, especially through like martial arts, that you are going to learn respect and discipline, right? And I actually take this kind of seriously, right? Which is like, I think it's important for students to learn to respect that there's a protocol here. And you don't actually get to just like, this isn't Burger King. Going to yoga class isn't Burger King. It's like have it the way you want it. Right? Isn't that their slogan like I don't know? You that, know what that's
0: I mean? Hilarious that you just said that.
1: But it's but it's true. Right. It's this kind have of thing. Of, have, have it your way. Have it your way. Yeah, that's exactly. Like, guess what my yoga class is? Hashtag, not your way.
0: Hashtag not an ad. if only i was getting burger king (laughs) money you guys i'm sorry i (laughs) (laughs) we're both a little exhausted today sorry about that okay so it's not yes you're the teacher i mean you're in charge look,
1: look in this modern era of yoga it's this very kind of soft sensitive inclusive Uh, World, which is really good. Right. It's very, very, very good. It is very good. There are very
0: few places in the world like that. Right. Yes.
1: And I know that in that environment, we can start to be like, oh, well, I'm just going to skip this and do that. And I don't really like this. So I'm going to do that. And it's like, well, yeah, that works plenty of times. And there are actually some situations where bypassing a proper order of events is actually not good for you. And getting back to shoulder stand, one of the problems with shoulder stand actually is it's super easy to get into. There's almost no barrier to entry. Like handstand, there's a barrier to entry. It's hard to get up there.
0: Yeah. And headstand, there's a fear factor. There's a
1: fear factor. But the thing with shoulder stand is it's it's ridiculously easy for most bodies to get into and not all bodies are ready for it, Mm -hmm. right? There's Mm -hmm. a lot of important skill. So that's an example, right, of just like you have to manage expectations, you have to manage fear, or not fear, you have to manage safety. It's kind of the next principle is you have to manage participation, right? Because it's, you're going to get a couple of different things. You're going to get the person, the beginner, be- beginner comes to class, and one of the things the beginner is going to want to do, like with certain personality type, that beginner is going to want to do everything that everyone else can do, and another personality type is that beginner is not going to want to do anything.
2: Huh? They're not even going to of want inhibition? to
1: try. People feel totally inhibited. Huh. And also, like, I don't want to say scared necessarily of injury, but scared of doing something wrong.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Like, have I told you about that horrible time I went to a ballet class?
0: Oh my god, that sounds horrible. No. Oh, I think I could probably guess who took you to that class.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was an ex.
0: Cuz there's only someone who you would have done that for. Anyway. Yeah.
1: So, I went to a ballet class, right? This was years ago, but it was just Was
0: did you go to um um the dance center downtown?
1: Yeah, I oh, went to like
0: where there's like real dancers. Oh, yeah, 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 real oh, dancers. Oh, goodness gracious.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't a beginners class.
0: No. Oh, goodness
1: right so i went and when we were at the bar which was like i don't know the first half or the first two-thirds of class mm-hmm. it was kind of i won't say it was easy i was terrible but i'm a yoga practitioner i could like stretch
0: right and punch, i was totally into, yeah
1: stretch point my toes throw my leg up on the bar and do side bends you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah, it's awesome you
0: have nice arches too
1: kingly arches you
0: do they're really royal arches. some of the most beautiful feet i've ever seen royal yeah
1: Kingly royal. <laughs> All
0: right, onward.
1: Anyways, so, and then, and then what happens after the bar work?
0: It's, uh, you do across the floor.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, my <laughs> God, I just, oh, my goodness. So, was I afraid that I was going to hurt myself? No. I was afraid that I would be emotionally devastated. <laughs> right? So, I did like one across the floor. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> It was literally hilarious. I still have, like, the imprint. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I just, mean, like. Were I just, there like, any
0: other men in the class?
1: There were a handful.
0: Oh, God. That's even worse in a way.
1: Oh, man. I don't know. Everyone- but I just, like, essentially, like, walked in circles and, like, <laughs> moved my arms around.
0: You guys, if you could see what he was just doing right now, he <laughs> kind of looked like a squid.
1: <laughs> just, I just walked and it just moved my arms around. Oh, boy. And it was horrifying, right? But it was, like, I just had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the point I want to be is like when you're a new yoga student, you just sometimes don't do certain things cuz you just have no idea what you are
0: Yeah, you're maybe doing. you're taking it in too, you're trying to Yeah, like yeah, yeah process, you're taking it like, in, right? So that's right the now. other
1: thing too of like is that sometimes people need to see stuff a few times because most people are visual learners. This is kind of a, kind of a challenging thing about being a student of yoga is that to be a student of yoga, you really mostly have to listen to instruction. But most people aren't very good at listening to instruction. Most people are kind of visual in that, right? So sometimes new students, they're just going to plow through. Other times they're going to be do the opposite, which is they're going to be under-engaged because either A, they're just horrified because they just know they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? Okay. Or they're not horrified, but they gotta kind of they just stop to watch. Mm-hmm. And the most obvious example of this would be in basic arm balances. You know what I mean? Because in basic arm balances, it seems like it's a very black and white all or nothing situation, right? Because people don't understand the scale of things, right? So everyone that is a new student is likely to try triangle pose because you know you can be horrible at triangle pose, but still think you're doing triangle pose, right? But People will not try Bakasana at all mm-hmm. if the feet aren't coming off the floor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We're just not they're not people aren't seeing that scale. So those are really the I think the kind of the most significant challenges that come up for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And then let's walk through the specifics. Okay. Right? Great. So for me as a yoga teacher, I teach vinyasa-based yoga. Now, one of the things that I have changed radically over the years is the number of chaturangs and updogs I do, which is I've significantly decreased them and I've increased other types of vinyasa movements and flows. But as a vinyasa teacher, one of the biggest challenges, the biggest Specific incidents of dealing with beginners in a mixed level class is the chaturanga up dog down dog thing. It because the thing is, is like even if a wonder athlete comes to class, they're not used to chaturanga, even if this person has done a billion push ups in their life. Chaturanga is actually it's pretty different than a push up in the position of the shoulder girdle. And then, even if you're familiar with doing push ups, up dog is. Nothing like a push up. And so the challenge of Chaturanga, Up Dog, and then back to Down Dog isn't just the individual poses and their physical demand, but just kind of understanding the nuances of those motions. And then also the fact that if you're not in a beginner's class, you're going to be doing those at pace. Yeah. Right. Right. And so you have like Chaturanga, Up Dog, Down Dog. So you have three poses plus the two transitions, the transitions like in and out of those poses. And you're doing them at rhythm, which is really hard for a beginner. And depending on the beginner, those may lead to injury, right? The injuries that we typically get from those poses are repetitive stress injuries, right? right? So I'm actually not afraid of a new student being lost in those for injury purposes. Right,
0: unless they have some kind of massive vulnerability like in, in a shoulder or in their lower back. I exactly. Before they came to, yeah.
1: Exactly. Before they came to. College. So, but I am concerned about like just being able to teach those things, right? And so I think that the first way that you deal with this, not in a beginner's class, but the first way that you deal with this in a mixed level class for a beginner is you in all of your classes don't just teach Chaturanga, Up Dog, Down Dog, but you in all of the classes teach going to the floor for locust, going to the floor for cobra, going to the floor for sphinx and forearm plank, and then doing Chaturanga, Up Dog, Down Dog. Because what this does is this teaches the beginners those other patterns Mm -hmm. that are equally as valuable for the body, but much easier to assimilate. And so if as a yoga teacher, you are regularly doing all of those combinations, then the beginner gets to actually learn those combinations. And I say this to my student in class all the time because I teach the first couple of rounds of salutations, going to the floor for locust. Second couple, going to the floor for cobra
0: do you have everyone drop
1: everyone. their knees
0: down first? Or do no, you say like, if you want to no, drop no, your no. knees down? Or...
1: I, would probably, I would probably bring that into like a specific beginner's thing. But in my advanced classes, like I teach, my public classes are hard. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons they're hard is two of them are heated, right? So just being in that room for 90 minutes and like laying on you the just, ground is yeah, hard. Yeah. Because there's heat stress, right? right? The point I want to make is, I have so fundamentally reconsidered what is healthy and appropriate for the body in terms of long-term stressors that I'm not in my advanced classes just doing a million chaturangs and updogs yeah. and then hoping a beginner survives that, <laughs> right? I have fully normalized that in my advanced classes, we do locust pose, we do cobra pose, we do forearm We do Sphinx to Forearm Plank, and then we do Chaturanga, Up Dog, Down Dog. We do all four of those patterns about an equal amount. Okay. So when new students come to that class, they are learning the patterns that are much more assimilatable and simple, though equally valuable right away. Mm -hmm. And then what I say is by the time we get to Chaturanga, Up Dog, Down Dog is... I say, anyone that is in their first month of yoga class, I don't want you to do chaturanga, up dog, down dog. It's less effective. I want you to keep coming to the floor and doing locust or cobra. And one of the things that I like about this is, there's two things, but one of the things that I like about this is that the new student that is then deciding to take the locust pose option Already unconsciously knows that there's value in it because I didn't, I'm not just making beginners do locust, I'm making everyone do locust, and then I'm making beginners continue with locust, and therefore the beginners see that there is value to it, right? The challenge for a beginner is when you're only giving them something that's totally different. And then they're not going to see that there's... They're going to feel separate. They're not going to see that there's value to that thing. Mm -hmm. So... So
0: you try to minimize that. uh, Absolutely. Mm, Okay.
1: Because chaturanga, up dog, down dog, it's just done too much. It's a repetitive... It becomes a repetitive stress, Mm -hmm. right? And so the other thing that happens with this scenario is students that are willing to listen, they start to see that... That there is a that there's a process and an order to learning things, and that that it's not in their best interest to skip. Now, what happens if someone that is brand new decides to do chaturanga and up dog? When I said everyone that's new, please do locust pose. Let it go.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm gonna let it go. Yeah, I'm gonna let it go because I'm working with adults.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true.
1: You know, and there's You're a lot of parent. them in the room. I'm not their parent. Yeah. I'm not going to sweat it. And I'm not going to see it any longer. I used to see it as kind of like a denial of my... A challenge to your A authority. challenge to my authority. Mm-hmm. And now I just see it as like, man, adults are just tripping out.
0: Totally. It's not at all a challenge. No. I don't. I don't think. Just knowing the way that kind of the human brain works. Yeah. You just don't know what's going on for someone that that drives them the way things drive yeah. them. You just don't know.
1: And a lot of times like we have to remember and I mean this I actually mean this with like a lot of love and care and not judgment, but it's hard to be a learner. It's hard to be a student. Not everyone's a very good student. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like and when I say that I just mean like a lot of times the student doesn't really completely comprehend what the teacher is saying and why they're saying it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, I can do it. They, they just kind of think like...
0: I can share something in my own please. experience. So when I started really doing yoga, um, it was at the Mindful Body with the Yolanda. And it was a mixed level class, but it was a pretty basic class. It was maybe like a level one, two or something. So it was not an inappropriate class for me to be in, given the fact that I had been physical my whole life and I was a dancer and I had pretty good proprioception. But the interesting thing about it is that because I was so flexible and young, I had no idea what I didn't know.
2: Yes. Right? Right.
0: So I would, for probably like a year of studying with her, my down dog was a joke. I was very short stance and I would like push my knees back because Uh I was a dancer and I would sink in my shoulders and it was so easy for me. I couldn't understand That part of, there were certain parts of yoga that I was like, why is this? Why are people, I don't even understand this. And then finally, one day, and I'm sure she instructed me many times to do it differently. And it just, I just didn't hear it. It just went over my head. Or it was like, I don't think she's talking to me. I can do everything. Totally. (laughs) And then, you know, one day, some adjustment that she gave me just turned on a light bulb. And I was like, oh my goodness, I have been doing this basically wrong for a year and she never yeah, judged yeah, yeah. me yeah. and no, she never no, no, no. took it personally. Cause she knew
1: it took, it takes time.
0: Yeah. And she was just such a lovely, like her whole sort of mentality was that people were there for all different kinds of reasons. And it was just her job to facilitate the process of being with yourself and noticing your body and relaxing yeah. within all of that. Yeah, And it was hugely valuable, even though I was doing my down dog wrong for, Entire year at least.
1: Yeah. That's a really good example. And this happens all the time in when I as a student of jujitsu is when you drill, you'll do like a progression of three or four things. And then the last thing's like the teacher's always like, Okay, I'm gonna show the higher level belt something. All the lower level belts, you're gonna continue to do exactly what you've been doing. But the higher level belts, you're gonna do this next thing, right? And I'm a lower level belt, but I'm I'm knowledgeable enough to know why it matters that I stay in my lane, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Because because being good in your own lane, doing what you're supposed to do well in your own lane builds depth, whereas bypassing and going into another lane, you're not going to be able to execute that in a real situation, right? Mm -hmm. And so there'll be plenty of times where my training partner is also a lower level person, but I'm a better lower level person. But they will always fast forward
2: uh-huh. to yeah. do the
1: higher level thing. Yeah. But because I actually am better, I know that doing the higher level thing doesn't actually have any applications not, to me. It's not beneficial. It's yeah. not beneficial.
0: Yeah.
1: It's interesting and it might be fun, and it's it's always okay to challenge yourself. Don't get me wrong, right? And I don't be like stay in your lane and do this thing, but it's like. <laughs> It's hard to know that being asked to do something simpler is not only for your safety, but will help you eventually do the harder thing better. But if you skip forward to the harder thing, you're going to have some breakdown. It's not going to work. Yeah. So another big challenge comes up for a lot of new students, especially in the context of vinyasa, which is stepping from down dog to a lunge. Stepping back through sun salutations is relatively simple, but stepping from down dog to a lunge is can often be really difficult, right? And, and the reason that that is is most people, if they don't have a decently formed down dog and they're not fairly mobile, they're not gonna get the foot all the way forward between their hands. And so I've just seen this so many times over the years. So when I have a new student come to an experience level class, I know number one, okay, there's going to be this chaturanga up dog, down dog thing solved, hopefully. Now, the next thing I just know is going to happen is the student is going to have a harder time stepping from down dog to a lunge. And so often what I'll do is I will just show them that thing because this isn't something unlike chaturanga and up dog that we're going to role model several other times right? So essentially I just show them if I know they're a new student, I'm going to say, okay, look, there's going to be a transition that's going to be difficult. Don't worry about the individual poses. They're going to be difficult and confusing too, but you're going to be there for a few breaths. Look around. The difficult thing and the reason I want new students to know how to troubleshoot this right away is it's transitional. Down dog to a lunge is a transition and there's very little time to do it. And so you want to have kind of a glimpse first and the way you teach a new student to do that is you bring the opposite knee down so if I'm going to step the right foot forward from down dog into a lunge you bring the left knee down first so I'll just drill that with someone a handful of times and just say like look
0: before class
1: before class yeah okay yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then if I notice that someone is struggling uh, I mean I actually don't do this but you, but when I used to assist Rodney profoundly like a long time ago once in a while he would have me, he'd be like, Jason, take that person, that person, that person out of the room for five minutes. Get them out of here. <laughs> Get him out of here. Take him to, to, what was the ice cream? Fenton's. <laughs> yeah, take him to Fenton's. No, he'd be like, take them out of the room and just show them how to step from down dog to a lunge and then bring them back. Mm-hmm. You know, just give them a little bit of tutorial. And I always really liked that, right? And I think sometimes a student... Get scared in a situation like that because they don't want the attention brought to them, but if we take learning and teaching seriously and we have students we have we have assistants at our disposal, I think it's a really mm-hmm. awesome thing to do, you know, yeah, now that I'm a lot less insecure about things, I'm much more open to learning what I don't know, yeah, as opposed to feeling like. Oh, God, I hope, out. I hope no one notices me.
0: Right, 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 right.
1: But that's an emotional development thing. Yep. But in this situation, usually if it's like, hey, here's my friend Rob. He's never been to class before, but I brought him to your advanced flow. You're going to take care of him, right? I'm going to be like, all right, Rob, let's look at how to go from down dog to stepping forward to a lunge. Okay. Like it's just so it, – to me, it's so consequential. You bring that opposite knee down first and then step it through. Okay, That's also helpful for people that are a little bit tighter. And it's also helpful for people that are, we'll just say a little tighter. Yeah. So the next thing that comes up for me, like one of the things you're going to have to manage are the details of down dog, right? Oh, yeah.
0: This is just like do, I was saying. Do say. you remember? It's, that is just the hardest pose to teach and to feel in your body. I mean, there are just so many variables and everybody's proportions are different. Totally. I mean, it's really quite a fascinating pose.
1: There's a couple things that happen in it too, which is most people will see down dog. They'll see a photo of it and they'll see the person's heels on the ground and they'll think the heels are supposed to be on the ground. That's an
0: obsession for people, right? Totally. Yeah. Right?
1: Because it's visually, because it's very- It
0: feels complete or something, I don't think it
1: feels anything. I think it- I think it seems like it's easy to identify. Like, if I don't know anything about anything, right? If I know nothing about art and I see a painting, I'm like, I, it's red. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Right?
1: I'm not, I'm not noticing any of the nuance or the detail or subtle or the, the historical content. I know nothing. I'm like, oh, it's red. Yeah. Right? And I think that's the same thing that happens in Down Dog is that when people don't understand the pose, they're going to see the lowest hanging fruit and they're going to see, oh, the heels are on the ground. My heels are supposed to be on the ground. Yeah. Right. But for most people, the heels aren't on the ground. Most beginners. I mean, my heels aren't on the ground either because I have limitation of ankle motion. Oh, but are
0: terrible at yoga.
1: Because I'm not very good at yoga, <laughs> especially the physical part <laughs> and the mental part and the emotional part and especially the breathing part. That's why
0: you keep practicing, right, buddy? Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I've been watching a bunch of YouTube videos on it lately.
0: Excellent, excellent.
1: (laughs) Feel like I'm really picking it up. I
0: think you are. Yeah. You know,
1: this is so much inherent authority if you make it, anyways.
0: So yes, the heels are not on the ground, and that is very confusing to people. And I do not blame them.
1: Short strides.
0: Yeah, that's probably what I did. Yeah.
1: The other thing is, for a lot of new students, it's just like you look at their hands, and it just looks like they're typing on a keyboard. Oh. They have just like the, just, the, oh, the hands are just... Like
0: noodle claws. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah.
1: They're, the sh- they're like the shape of a hook. Timmy, here's the good news. It's really good news, which is I'm not worried about injury and down dog. Yeah, that's true. You'd have a horrible down dog. And I'm not worried about an injury. I'm worried about an injury in a like relentlessly bad shaped down dog for a long period of time but, but not, yeah. it's not a traumatic pose the, the 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 stressors are usually pretty well distributed and there might be listeners thinking well what about the wrists well what about the wrists I mean again it's not the the wrists are something to concern yourself with in that pose if that pose is not well managed for a period of time right but I, when I have a beginner come to a mixed level class, I have to think about like, is this a an immediate fire or is this kind of like a smoldering situation that I got sometimes you have time to deal with down dog, but you want to find what I think is the most important detail, which is the distance between the hands and the feet, you know, because to me, everything else is everything else comes. Everything else comes with time. But if the distance between the hands and feet is not close, it doesn't matter what else you get right. The pose is wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to fit, right? It's like clothes, right? If you have just some like horribly fitting thing, doesn't nothing else about it matters? It's horribly fitting. So if the distance between the hands and feet are horribly fitting, the other details cannot be accurate.
0: And the tendency that you notice is that people to take short. too short
1: a stride. Once in a while, people will take a too long of a stride, but it's pretty rare. Hmm. It's usually too short. Mm-hmm. And then also you have a lot of guys that take this kind of weird, almost push up with the butt in the air kind of position.
0: Okay. Let's talk about what you do.
1: When a guy comes to need- class. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, you're probably going to say you just you just let it be because they're learning. But when you see the guy with like the super bent elbows
1: out to the side, bent elbows, yeah. it's again, it's that's usually a secondary issue. It's usually that the shoulders are hugely restricted uh-huh. or malpositioned in the posture, or more likely, it's that there's so much restriction in the calves and the hamstrings and the outer hips and the lower back that that's being pulled into distortion. So it, when I see that guy, right, we all know like we have an image for that guy. The upside is this, I'm not worried about injury. I'm not, not now, mm-hmm. right? So when I'm not worried about injury, I know that I have time if this person comes back. And this person is only going to come back if they feel like the practice is beneficial. So th- oftentimes that person needs to bend the knees and then turn the hands out more. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Almost always those elbows way buckled to the side. If you look at the hands, the hands are way turned in,
0: mm-hmm.
1: way turned in, mm-hmm. right?
0: Oh, I had one more question, but I lost it. So go ahead.
1: Okay. So the way that I have new students learn the distance between hands and feet and down dog, there's a couple of different things that I've used over time. But the thing that I find works the best is you just have a new student lay down, face down, and then you have them take their hands to the floor next to their chest with their fingers in line with the center of the chest. Then you have them press up onto all fours and then pull their butt up and back. Mm -hmm. And that distance is pretty spot on for the vast majority of yoga practitioners.
0: So fingertips in line with the middle of the chest or middle of the hand in line with the middle of the
1: chest? Fingertips. Yeah. Okay. But if it's middle of the hand, it, there's some margin for error.
2: Yeah. I'm if just...
1: it's middle of the hand and the fingers are more like under the front of the armpit, uh-huh. that's okay. That's going to be a little long. Uh-huh. But- They can just always
0: yeah. walk their feet in a little yeah. bit or something.
1: If it's a tighter body type, I would prefer them to be a little too long than a little too short because that's going to give them more space. If it's a more flexible and weak body type, I'd rather have them be, have be a little too short Cause that's going to shore up their stability. Okay. Right. I mean, that, that's, that's getting into a little bit more detail, but getting that is a huge key. And that's another thing at the beginning of class, I'm likely to have, just to have, to, to walk, set them up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And since you've been talking about safety a bit, I mean, one of the takeaways for me from this conversation is that you can kind of worry Less than perhaps you were taught in your teacher training when beginners come to your class, because you don't have to get everything. You don't have to teach them everything all in one class. You don't have to worry about them injuring themselves with basic, if they're not doing it in in a repetitive way. So how do you feel about the knee position in standing lunges, virabhadrasana poses, and Kneeling lunges—is that something that you are sort of on it with a beginner? Or yeah, you, yeah. you mean okay.
1: it being vertical?
0: Yeah,
1: right. So and not turned in. Yeah, vertical and not turned in. Totally okay. So I'm actually not very worried about new students and injuries. Right. I'm much more concerned about ongoing students and injuries. Right. Because the majority of the injuries that we see in the yoga practice are repetitive stress injuries and overstretch injuries. Those are more likely to happen in time. Now, alignment plays a significant function in that, but so does pace, right? Because when people are going fast, faster than is reasonable to go, it's much more difficult to be skillful and it's much more difficult to notice the repetitive stressors at a lower level of intensity, right? So Am I concerned about a new student in some, like, wicked bad high lunge? Totally. But having that knee vertical and not dropped in is really important. So, yes.
0: Right. So, that is one area. Okay.
1: Yeah, I, that's- that's community. I think that's a big so, question mark. Yeah, yeah. People. So, I would say, like, here's the thing. When you look at a body in any pose, if something jumps off the page, deal with it.
0: That's a good- That's a very good compass. You know what I mean? Compass. Yeah.
1: It's got to jump off the page to me. Mm -hmm. It's got, it has to be like, oh, like I have (laughs) to think literally. I was, a moment ago, I was in London and there was a newer student in, not in the training I did, but in workshops. And I wish, I kind of wish people could see me, but like I saw this position of the shoulders in of this person in down dog and i like you know when a dog hears a weird noise and they tilt their head
0: yeah yeah i
1: just like saw this and i was like whoa (laughs) i was actually so baffled by the position yeah because i wasn't expecting it in that in that group Mm -hmm. and so i had a bunch of assistants and so i and everyone was in down dog no one could see me so i just like motioned to an assistant to come over and and i was just like i just point i was like you know, in our mouth, please help them with their shoulders, right? That jumped off the page. Now, were there all sorts of other subtle little things that we could refine? Totally. But to me, for a beginner to be in a danger zone, you're only going to see it on the outside if it's really obvious. And I'm more of the mentality that bodies are pretty robust. If you are told to pay attention to pain signals... And if you teach a class that is not too fast and too hot or doesn't contain super long holds, you're probably going to be a much safer environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that brings up another thing, which is one of the main things we need students to deal with in this context is distance between their feet. Okay. So the example that you're bringing up about the knee too far... Why does the knee typically go to When the knee goes the too far... the
0: stance is too short. The
1: stance is too short. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot like down dog, okay? So getting the distance between the hands and the feet is hugely important. And in the online training course that I have, the Art of Teaching Beginners, which I'm so stoked is so popular, like I'm so happy <laughs> that there's so many people that have registered... And such amazing feedback, right? And one of the cool things about the feedback I'm getting is for a lot of people, it's their first real online education experience. Mm. Not their first online streaming classes, but their first online training experience, right? Which is really, really awesome. And so we go into a lot of details on, on these subjects. But one of the things to just briefly talk about now is similar to having shortened a stride between the hands and feet that's too short in Down Dog. If you watch the vast majority of new students, their feet are too close together.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, right, but That's so true. That's so true. They
1: take short strides. It's not
0: an interesting proprioceptive trend. That's just really interesting. Well, here's to the think thing: about. is like
1: on some fundamental level, it's safer. Uh huh. It's safer to be more contained. Than yes. To be
0: more spread out. Yes. Right. Right. Yes.
1: And and interestingly enough, a lot of the times what I try to get seasoned practitioners to do is shorten up a little bit. Huh. It's like, especially in lunges, crescent lunges, like in yoga, we've, just, we've normalized this lunge that's so long. Huh. And there's a ton of anterior tilt to the pelvis.
0: Right. Okay. So they're sort of sinking into the pelvis yeah. at that point. Yeah. And yeah, that-
1: yeah. Because, yeah. Because in the yoga world, we think that further is better, mm. not better is better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And further is sometimes better and sometimes not better. Right. Sometimes going further is worse.
0: Sure. I mean, if your goal I mean, is to... I mean, part of the goal of a lunge is to stretch the front of the hip and when yeah, you're... Yeah. But
1: if you're too long... Then you're not going to... Then you're not going to stretch the front of the hip because gonna the be pelvis is going to be pelvis. anteriorly tilted. Right. So we think we're doing this thing that we're not, which is kind of what yoga is trying to untrain us. A lot of... I think people are... from From training so many people... From teaching so many people, the thing that people often ask about strides when about teaching strides, is are about the angles of the feet, mm-hmm. not the distance between them. Hmm. And so we have to be really sensitive to figuring out that distance between them. And what you will see with most new students is they're too short. They're too short which for most people is better than being too far. But often that too short pushes that front knee too far forward. There's other stuff, but those I think are really the big keys. I want to circle back very briefly to just saying, you have to let your students learn.
0: Yeah, I think that's such a good takeaway. You have
1: Take- to let your students learn and not freak out. Yeah. you know, And to let them feel comfortable with the learning process. By saying, part of the learning process is confusion, error, all—all all feeling things. a little lost, feeling a little lost. Right. So you tell them like, "Hey, man, that's okay. That's part of it." Then you've put a situation where everyone can continue to learn, and,
0: and yeah. you're giving them some self-responsibility. Yet you're still holding the space. I think that's that's great advice, and it's going back to what you have said often on the podcast, which is you have to trust that the yoga works.
1: You have to trust that the yoga works. And the last thing I'll say is not everyone's going to stick around and that's okay. Totally. You know, like there's a lot of things in life to learn, but if someone is going to learn yoga, they're going to have to come back to class a lot for countless years. So there's no rush. Right. There's no rush. You know, and you're not going to be their only teacher.
0: Cool. Well, thanks Jason, and I just want to um Get clar- the course. I want to clarify there was actually a little error on social media last week.
1: I don't know if you got my message. No, about you know this. what? I'm going to tell you. Midway through this podcast, I started to think about the social media that I posted.
0: Well, no, that's not what I was talking about. Oh, okay. Someone else thought that I was doing a beginner series with Jay Brown, with (laughs) with Jason Brown. So for anyone who's new here, this is my husband, Jason Crandall. Oh,
1: more important. So I was just in uh, near Liverpool, in addition to London. And there was a really nice gentleman that was like, saying, you know, he loves the podcast, and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, Oh, and you know, I love your rapport. I thought for, you know, the first several times I was like, man, it seems like kind of flirtatious between these two, like they really <laughs> know each other. I didn't know you were married. Aww. And you know what I think that's funny is like we just assume everyone know, knows that. I we just
0: assume. It's so true. So now I need to at the beginning of the podcast or somehow I need to make it no, clear. No, no, I, no, 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 Do I don't know. Do you remember I don't know if you ever even knew this, but years and years and years ago before we were dating you did a photo shoot with David Martinez. I think you, yeah, it was a Bay Club photo shoot. So it was not a Yoga Journal photo shoot. But you asked me to spot you, so I spotted you, and I did not even think we were flirting that much. And afterward, David Martinez was like, "Love your new boyfriend," and I was like, "He's not my boyfriend. What are you talking about?"
1: <laughs> oh, so that was before. Okay, yes. Got it, got so, it, got
0: it. Got it. Yeah, this has been going on for a long time, All apparently. Right. But anyway, yes. Go to glow. dot com to learn more about the beginner's course and to register. You'll love it. If you love the podcast, don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And until next week, enjoy your practice.